Hey Freaky family and welcome to Let's Get Freaky podcast. I'm your host Tommy Cullum. On this show we discuss everything paranormal, ghosts, cryptids, UFOs and more. If you have had any paranormal experiences and would like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch. You can email us at letsgetfreakypodcast at outlook.com or we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Slide into our DMs. We would love to hear from you guys and we'd love to have you as a guest on the show to share your experiences. Okay, guys, today's show, I'm very excited to welcome back Eric from Uncomfortable Podcast. We have an awesome conversation. He's such a cool guy. Uh, he shares some of his personal paranormal experiences. Amazing stuff, guys. You're going to love it. Check out Uncomfortable Podcast if you haven't already. It is awesome. Let's get into it. Let's get freaky. Okay, guys, I'd like to welcome back to Let's Get Freaky, the fantastic Eric from Uncomfortable Podcast. Thank you for coming back, sir. How are you? I'm well, Tommy. How are you, sir? Very well. Thank you. Great to be back. Great to be back. It's so cool to have you back on the show. Yeah, this is uh, what this second time now. So uh, yeah, this we're gonna have to make this a regular thing. I might have to have you on mine here coming up pretty soon. I'd love to come on your show. That'd be amazing. Yeah, we'll do that. Definitely, we'll do that. Sweet. So, how have you been? I've good. I've been good. Uh, Weather has taken a turn here since the last time we talked. It it was. was very hot and uh about a week or so ago man it's like somebody flipped a light switch and now we're into full-blown fall so that's uh, exactly the same the, as here as well the, the <laughs> 80s have now been replaced with the mid 60s and <laughs> quite honestly i mean that's it's my favorite time of the year i i absolutely love halloween same. Um, the whole month of october for me is just you know horror movies and uh, you know the just pack it in as much as I can get. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, if I could find someplace in this, on this planet that would give me a couple of months of summer and like eight or nine months of fall weather, uh, I'd be going there. It, yeah. it is absolutely the perfect time of year for me. That's the dream. <laughs> the only thing I don't like is having to pick up all the damn leaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the, the yard work it gets messy so. <laughs> but it's so good to have you back on the on, on the podcast I, I told you when we finished recording last time that you have got the coolest podcast voice man i appreciate that i really <laughs> do you know and it's it, i just i did i i had uh jj rose 777 was my uh my guest this this tuesday and uh she has been very kind and she was a wonderful, wonderful lady to have on the show. In fact, I, if you want, I would suggest, you know, getting her in touch yeah, with you. So, um, she's got a lot of really good stuff to talk about as far as spirituality and, you know, how to kind of fortify your, uh, fortify your, your spiritual armor, you know, yeah. as, as far as whether or not you're, you know, just regular day to day stuff, dealing with negative people, or if you're out investigating ghost locations, you know, stuff like that. Um, just some, just some really good tips on how to keep yourself safe. And, and, you know, it's, it's nothing dramatic. It's nothing, um, crazy. It's just really pretty much common sense stuff, but, uh, it was, it was a pleasure having her on. 
And uh, so we've had a few conversations back and forth since we did the recording. And she's like, every time she sends me something, she's like, oh my God, I sent it to a bunch of my friends and they all love your voice. And it's like, <laughs> okay, damn, damn the voice. All right. I get it. I, I get the voice. All right. What about where it's coming from? Let's start focusing on the man. All right. <laughs> cause, cause Eric needs a date. <laughs> but it's, it's the coolest podcast voice, man. If I, I'd love to have that voice. <laughs> you know, it, the funny thing is like, so I, I was, I was, well, I was still in high school. Um, and I can remember I was, uh, I was really interested in dating this girl. She was an Italian girl or her name was Angie. And, uh, I don't know if I was like 16, maybe I, I don't think if I was even 16. Cause I didn't have my driver's license yet. And, uh, I would call, I would call her mom's house to talk to her. And she always just had this like weird vibe about the mom when she would answer the phone, always had this weird vibe about her and, uh, finally got to go on a date with her. And she said, and this, like I said, I wasn't even driving yet. So my mom had to drive me to her apartment to pick her up. And then they were going to drive us to take us to the, uh, the movie. Cool. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I told her I'd pick her up at, well, you know, whatever it was, seven o'clock. And she said, my mom says you have to come in. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't realize it, but her mom did not believe that I was only 16 years old or however old I was uh, because of my voice over the phone. She thought I was a grown ass man. Yeah. And she thought her daughter was messing with somebody too old. Oh, wow. like, no, it's not the, that's not the case at all. <laughs> but you know, it's funny before my voice changed, I can remember making phone calls and having people on the other side of the line say, okay, hold on just a second, ma'am. You know, they think I was a woman. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so apparently the change was pretty dramatic. It was a dramatic, big change somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I get an awful lot of, uh, awful lot of comments on the voice. Yeah. And, Gosh, uh, the perfect voice. It's <laughs> but, you know, I can even remember, you know, like the group that I used to hang out with, you know, when I was in my late teens and into my early twenties, many times, man, I had people tell me, man, you, you should be on the radio. You should be on the yeah. radio. And I can remember thinking, man, I don't want to be on the radio. Those are shit hours. You know, <laughs> you, I probably get stuck with the midnight shift work midnight till three. Nobody's ever going to hear me. And you know, <laughs> you got screwed up sleep schedules and all that. Um, and I never really paid attention to it, you know, and, uh, lo and behold, you know, 40 years later, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm doing. So, <laughs> that's it. Um, so maybe I should have listened to him. <laughs> Do TV adverts, everything. <laughs> uh, you know, I've actually locally here, I've done some, uh, oh, some, uh, advertisements for like insurance companies and, um, ah. like, like dairy queen ice cream. I don't know if you have dairy queen over there or not. Uh, I'm um, not sure. D Might DQ, be. uh, they're a, they're an ice cream, you know, you can get sandwiches and whatever, but they're known for their ice cream. I've done that. And, oh, okay. Um, a couple of, uh, equipment rental places and stuff like that. And I just kind of got my start because a buddy of mine does, uh, online, online broadcasting for, uh, the local area for high school sports. And he'd get these live read ads, you know, people would sponsor his, uh, broadcasting. 
And then he'd always just, he'd email me. He's like, Hey, you got, you got time to do a, an ad for me. <laughs> so I started throwing them together. And, I need and that voice, like, man. <laughs> he's like, man, you, you, you're really good at that. You need to start doing ads. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a good microphone does help as well. Yeah. You know, cause uh, a good microphone lets your true voice come through. Yeah. If you, if you cheap out, you know, it, it can, it can thin your voice. It can, it can make it sound tinny at times. Uh, having just, you know, putting the money into getting a good mic gives yeah. you a really good, true, accurate representation of what that voice is. So, uh, yeah. I've been fortunate. So I'm hoping my mic's all right. It sounds fine. Um, you know, I, you, I assume you record into your computer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, that I'm, I'm not sure. Is that a, is that a blue? Is that a blue? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeti. Yep. Yeah. And I, I almost, I almost went that route. Um, okay. That was before I discovered the roadcaster. Yeah. Um, you know, the complete self. I mean, it's, it's a studio in a box basically. Um, okay. Cool. But yeah, I, I actually had the blue Yeti in my, uh, in my shopping cart and was going to go a different route. But when I found the, the roadcaster, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go all road. Yeah. So, yeah. I might, yeah. I might have to invest in one of those as well. Cause that looks it, cool. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're going to keep doing it, man, um, yep. it, it sure does simplify the whole process. It really does. It yeah. literally is a studio in a box. Wow. So, I can't say enough about it. I wish they'd sponsor me because <laughs> yeah. I absolutely, you heard it here first. <laughs> I absolutely love Rode. The voice. Uh, their equipment is is top notch. Yeah. They're they're out of Australia. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to look into that. Really good stuff. Yeah, and I liked it so much. I went and I bought. Um, they have a, a product called the Rode Wireless Two Go. And it is, um, two very small, about one inch by one inch, um, microphones that you can clip to somebody's lapel or to a pocket. You get two of them. Plus you get the receiver and, uh, the, the audio quality on it is amazing. You can plug it into a camera that has an input for audio. Oh, okay. Um, it gives you like 200 feet line of sight, you know, um, just it's amazing so we use those when we're micing up guys like when we're doing a, a haunted house investigation um yeah. so we have the freedom of moving throughout it still transmits through the walls upstairs downstairs <coughs> a hood. excuse me they're flawless so they're great yeah. stuff i'm definitely gonna really cool the, the really cool thing about them is that you can, you can record two different ways. You can, I can plug it into the back of my roadcaster and I can record directly to the roadcaster, okay. but it'll also record to the unit that's being worn on the person itself. So that little one inch by one inch thing will record a backup, um, a backup, uh, line of, of their, the vocals that are talked into it. Okay. But what happens is, and I just, I found this out by chance, um, when I was loading all the audio, we, we actually did an investigation at a, at a haunted cottage. Yeah. And when 
I was putting the audio from the onboard mic. Yeah. They act like a regular voice recorder and they pick up freaking EVPs, dude. No way. <laughs> they do. You was talking about this in your last podcast show, weren't you? Yeah. I remember, yeah. They, they picked up EVPs. We got wow. multiple. multiple so the other, the other mic didn't pick it up, but these picked it up. The part that plugs into the back of my roadcaster, the, the receiver yeah. did not, did not record to the unit but it recorded to the part that was being worn. Wow. Which is, is bizarre. That is. Yeah. So, so what sort it, of things was, are you picking up? Well, we all, uh, there were four of us in the investigation, myself, my son, and, uh, two kids, uh, I call them kids. They're, they're young adults now, um, that were two or three years ahead of my son in high school. Um, Cortland Gordon and, uh, and his friend Ryan Becker. And basically, Cortland was renting this uh, uh, this cottage. And he kept saying that he and Ryan were, were having some odd things going on. You know, um, kind of cold spots. Hearing creaking like footsteps coming down the stairway from the upstairs of the cottage. And, uh, just kind of like overall uh, uneasy, not like, not like scared, but just like funky, a feeling, a funky feeling. So we went there and we did this investigation. We, uh, it was nice because we hadn't seen each other in quite a while. So we sat around and it was kind of a, um, kind of a reunion of sorts for a while. And then about midnight or so we started to get everything set up and we were going to, pretty much do an investigation for some, you know, like one o'clock till three. Well, we ended up getting so much interaction that we ended up recording almost to like five o'clock in the morning. Wow. This, this crazy storm came blowing through. I mean, I can't remember a storm where I saw as much lightning as, as we did that night. And it kind of started to dawn on me. And it's like, you know, if, if, if it's true that spirits can pull from batteries and, and other electronic devices to kind of ramp up and, uh, you know, generate some energy to, to be able to do something whether it's true or not, I don't know, but a lot of people seem to think it is. I remember making the comment. It's like, man, with all this electricity in the air, you know, undoubtedly if, if it is true, it's got to spark something, right? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so we took we took turns. Um, basically, I had two microphones sitting at uh, at our base camp, which was like the the dining room table, and then the the two wireless ones, like I was telling you about, we had on on uh, we were we were kind of sharing those between whoever would be going upstairs into one of the bedrooms or downstairs into the basement, you know, we would just switch off and yeah. Um, we all, we all, uh, three of us took turns down in the basement. I had a K2 meter. Um, my son is fearless. He doesn't give a shit. He's <laughs> like, come on, bring it. You want to, you know, yeah. you want to touch me, go ahead and touch me. He does not care. Yeah. And I, w- I wish he was a little more, uh, a little, a little less, uh, um, cowboyish when it comes to that, because (laughs) 
I think at some point we're going to run into a problem where, you know, um, but you know, he went down there and, uh, man, he didn't last seven minutes. Really? He didn't last seven minutes. He was like, he got down there and he was talking and he, you know, he had an audio recorder going and he had a K2 meter in his hand and he was just talking. And then all of a sudden you could tell in the audio, you could tell the change that happened in his voice. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, we were, we were, he was barely down there five minutes and, and I start looking at Cortland and Ryan and I was like, he's, he's getting ready to pull out. You know, he's, he's, I can tell he's, he's, he's done. Yeah. And, uh, so during, during the, uh, the time that he was down there, um, and, and like I said, that's really un, unlike him because he doesn't get freaked out by any of this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, he said, as I'm recording, I hear him say, if that was you, can you come a little bit closer? And then he says the time. And he says, there's a timestamp for you because he recognized that something had happened. He just wasn't sure what was going on. Well, when I went to that timestamp and I started loading that audio in, there was, there was on the wave file, there was a little bit of a disturbance before he said, if that was you, can you come a little bit closer? So I isolated that and I started adding, uh, you know, like noise filtering to it and stuff, uh, to reduce the, the background noise. Cause you could hear the, uh, you could hear the furnace a little bit in the running in the background. And so I, I got rid of that. And there was definitely something there. So I started messing with the, uh, the volume and amplifying that before. And it either says I'm here or come here. He seems to, he seems to think two of the guys, you know, between the four of us, two of them think it says come here. And I am, I'm like a hundred percent sure that it says I'm here and it's, it's, it's fast. It's really, uh, the speed is accelerated of the speech. So once I got, once I got it cleaned up, I actually took and I slowed down the, that portion, I slowed it down. So it was a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. And I hear, I hear I'm here. Wow. And it's, it's funky, man. It's funky. It really is. Um, then uh, we had a spirit box, uh, got it off of Amazon. It was like hundred bucks, uh, you know, a little AM FM radio basically with antenna. And, uh, there's a couple other things you can add an SD card to it. And, uh, you know, it's just a spirit box. It just starts filtering through the channels really fast and does that. So I was upstairs with Cortland in his bedroom and he had this, uh, it's, it's like a walk-in closet, but it was a really narrow door. You almost have to turn sideways to get into it. And, uh, he was up there for a while. I went up, I sat down on the bed with him and we were looking at the K2 meter, which he had set inside the, um, inside the walk-in closet. And as soon as I walked in the room, he looked up at me and he goes, man, the lights just been going crazy. They just been going nuts. And when I sat down, it was green. It was just green. 
And the whole time I was up there, it just stayed green. And he kept looking at me. He's like, man, I honest, dude, I'm not lying to you. He said, the lights were going nuts. And he said, you come in here and everything stopped. So I said, well, turn on the, uh, turn on the spirit box. So he turned it on and I said, um, are you a man or are you a woman? And through the spirit box, it says, I'm a man. Wow. And then like almost immediately after that, almost immediately after that, maybe five seconds went by and we hear the name Katie in a woman's voice. And I was like, I'm getting chills now. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, so we got, we got at least two spirits here. You know, one says I'm a man. The other one's calling out the name Katie. And, uh, so the, the interesting thing about this cottage was, um, and it was built in 1921, but man, when you walked into it, it was like, it was almost like you were in a museum. The thing I, I, what it reminded me of is years ago, my, I took my family and we went uh, all along the Lake Michigan and around the Great Lakes. And we stopped at a bunch of the uh, supposedly haunted lighthouses that surround the Great Lakes. And every time we'd get into one of them, there would be at least one room that was kind of cordoned off with a, a, a rope and it was set up just like it was supposedly when the caretaker or the lighthouse keeper lived there. So you could walk by and you could see how the, you know, the kitchen was set up or whatever. And, uh, that's the same feeling I had when I walked into this, this cottage because it was completely furnished. He didn't have to bring anything in. Um, and, but the, the really strange thing and, and no disrespect to anybody that's religious or Christian or Catholic or any other religions, but the thing that struck me as being really strange is the cottage had a very nautical theme to it. You know, everything was ships and boats and, and stuff like that. But there was a bookcase in there and it was an old shaker style bookcase. It was about four, four and a half feet tall, but it was like 10 feet long. And it had these window panes on the front of it where the doors were. And there were hundreds of books. I mean, Man, Tom, I'm telling you, there had have been, there had have been at least 300 books in that, in that bookshelf and every single one of them had something to do about God, God, Christianity, morality. Um, you know, I mean, every, I was looking at the spine of every book, man. It was everything yeah. was about God or church or something. And, you know, I get it. If, if, if that's your thing but it seemed, it seemed really over the top, you know, it was like, so then I started wondering, it's like, why do they have all this stuff in here? Is it just because they have really strong faith or are they, had they been experiencing things that, you know, like what we were. So back up in the bed, in the bedroom there with, with Cortland sitting next to him, I said, can you tell me, do you find solace in this place because there is so much about religion and so much about God in this cottage and through the spirit box, it said our Lord. And I looked at 
I looked at Cortland and he's wow. like, he, you know, he kind of mouthed the words to me. He's like our Lord. And I said, that's what I heard. And then, wow. <laughs> then it said, we're here. I'm, yeah, I'm all goosebumped nice. up. Nice. But, but when it said we're here, it was Cortland's voice. And he even recognized it. He's, he looked at me wow. and I was like, dude, that sounded just like you. And he's like, I know it did. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, then, uh, the, the one really, the, the one really freaky thing, um, kind of messed with me quite a bit that night. Um, so they had talked a lot about hearing the, the creaking footsteps coming down the stairway from the upstairs down to the main floor. And there was a stairway and then there was a little bit of a landing and then it kind of made a 90 degree turn. And then there were two more steps and then you were into the, the main living area. Well, they had talked so much about having heard this, the footsteps coming down the stairway that I wanted to mic up the stairway. So I took a boom arm and I put a, a good mic on it and I, I positioned it where that mic was off the ground, hanging right over the landing of that stairway. And the microphone was maybe two or three inches, you know, from the, from the floor, hoping that we, if something did step and creak, we'd pick it up. Yeah, we did. We picked it up twice. But the interesting thing is during the setup of all this stuff, before we even started recording, I do all my own setup. Okay. I, it's not that I don't trust anybody, but if anything is going to go wrong, I want to be pissed at myself and not get mad at my son or not get mad at somebody else because they didn't do something right. You know, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak freak in hooking up my equipment. And, uh, so I had set the boom arm up and I had run the cables to the, uh, to the back of the roadcaster. And I was going to screw the microphone mount to the, to the tip of the boom arm. And I, I had taken it out of my box of equipment. I had it in my hand and then I was like, Oh, I got to do this first. So I put it back and then I went and I did my other thing. And then I came back to finish setting up the stairway and that the, the clamp that holds the microphone was gone. And I started looking and I was like, well, shit, maybe I set it down here. Maybe I set it down there. So I started retracing my steps and I was like, I'm reaching in my pockets and I went over to my other bag and I'm going through it. And it's like, no, I didn't put it in here. I know I had it. And you know, so I'm like, what did I do with it? What did I do with it? And you know, like 10 minutes went by. And Cortland comes walking down the stairs from upstairs. And I looked at Cortland and I said, man, are you screwing with me, dude? <laughs> said, and he's like, no, I'm not. What do you mean? And I said, I can't find the, the clamp for the, the microphone to hang over the, uh, the stairway. And he's like, dude, I wouldn't do that to you. You know, <laughs> so I know you wouldn't, I know you wouldn't, but I got to ask because it was there and now it's not there. And, uh, I had gone back to my my box that had that equipment in there. And it's like a, um, it's like a, a protective case. It's got foam padding inside of it. You know, I put pack all my expensive equipment in it and, uh, I went back to it and I said, you know, it was here and I, I moved, I, I lifted the lid up again and I went to grab where it was and I'll be 
damned if it wasn't sitting right where it was. Wow. And I had spent like the better part of 20 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And it wasn't there. Dude, yeah. I looked in that thing three times and it wasn't there. Yeah. And then I opened it back up to show him just to, you know, like retrace my steps. And wow. it was there. And, you know, I mean, it, it could, absolutely. It could have been, you know, just coincidence. I could have missed it three times when I looked in there before, I guess. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a pretty sizable piece of, uh, polystyrene, you know, it's, I mean, it fit in the palm of your hand. I mean, it's not like it was something tiny that I could miss. And I started thinking, it's like, well, you know, they kept telling me about the, the stairway, the stairway, the stairway. And it's like, maybe the stairway didn't want to be recorded, Yeah, you know? And, yeah. uh, so I don't know, but we ended up getting it set up and, and we did on two occasions get, uh, what sounds like the first time was two, two pretty substantial creaks. And then the third, the, the second time it was three distinctive like almost like if you had uh hard soled shoes on, you know, something with uh you know, like a, not like tennis shoes, but like a, a leather sole with heels. Um, yeah. You know, just like, honestly, like an older fashioned, like a wingtip shoe, you know, like clopping down on, uh, on hardwood floor. So that was pretty wow. interesting. And then we had, uh, there, there was a small front room and it looks almost looked like it, at one time it might've been a porch, but then they, they, uh, you know, made it a, a full part of the, the cottage and enclosed the whole thing. And in that room, I took the K2, everybody was outside. I took the K2 meter in before we started anything. And I did a baseline sweep of the whole house. I went to all the electronic or the, uh, electrical outlets. The thing was built in 21. So I was thinking, you know, there's a chance that the, the wiring in it might be kind of piss poor. You know, so I just wanted to make sure that the K2 meter wasn't going to be picking up on, on a bunch of bad outlets or anything. And it really wasn't. I mean, there was, there was literally nothing in the house that I was picking up until I went into that little room and I started walking around and it started jumping. The lights started pretty much, you know, flickering all the way up to red and back down to green. And, uh, I ended up finding there was the, uh, the, uh, the wireless router was in the windowsill and when you got close to that it naturally it started putting off uh k2 readings but as you got into the middle of it as as you got away from the the wi-fi router uh, there was nothing but every time i got close to this old wooden chest which was you know maybe maybe two and a half feet long and about two feet tall it had metal hasps around it um looked old um, every time I got around that, the K2 meter started flickering. And when I would go like right over the top of it, it would just start pegging all the way to red and I'd move away from it and stop, but I'd go back over it and I'd do it again. And I was like, well, that's, that's really strange. Um, so I, I opened it up and there were just a couple of throws in there and maybe an extra pillow or something. There was nothing electronic in it. And, uh, so I made a metal note of it and I told the guys, I said, Hey, throughout the night, let's kind of keep an eye on that room. I said, it was getting some strange readings off that chest in there. And Ryan says, well, every time I've ever 
like gone and, you know, just laid down on the couch in there and take a nap or whatever. He's like, I always get a weird feeling in that room. And I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll write that down and, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Well, at one point during the night, I was, I was messing with the, the podcast stuff and the, the other three, they went in there and they did a thorough investigation of that chest to the point where they even picked it up. They moved it. They lifted up the carpet to make sure that there was not a electrical receptacle that was in the floor underneath it. There was nothing. Uh, they put the carpet back and while the chest was moved away, going over that same spot, we weren't getting any hits. But now if you moved over to where the, the chest was now, where it was moved, now we were getting hits off it again. Wow! So, so it was, it was, yeah. it was something strange. I don't know. Uh, there was something with that chest, you know, yeah. and it re it continued to react no matter where it was placed. You know, we moved it a couple of times and yeah. So that was, <clears throat> that was pretty strange. That's a lot, that of, a lot of fun. Isn't it? A lot of fun though. Um, they've actually asked us to come back out again. Um, I'm almost hoping that maybe this, this coming weekend, we can, uh, we can get back up there. Cool. Uh, the weird thing about that is the, the, the cottage itself is owned by a ministry and all the property on the one end of the lake is it's called Gull Lake and Gull Lake ministries actually owns a large portion of the, um, the property there. And earlier in the day when we got there and it was still daylight, he took us for a drive, you know, partway around the lake. And it was weird because like, you know, there'd be two or three houses, maybe four houses. And then you'd see a small building and it'd say Gull Lake Ministries on it. And then you drive past, you know, four or five more houses, six houses, whatever. And then there'd be another little building that said Gull Lake Ministries on it. And it was like, it seemed to have a very strong presence in that, in that area, you know, the, the ministry did. Yeah. And, uh, the one thing I noticed, and, and I'm sure this is coincidental, but <laughs> the one thing I noticed is like, anytime we saw somebody walking, you know, cause it was summertime. I mean, everybody is out there walking around the lake and, you know, getting their exercise in or whatever, walking off dinner or whatever it was. Um, everybody we saw was a pairing of a man and a woman. It was a couple. Every, every, every time we saw somebody, it was two people and it was always a man and a woman. And I'm not shitting you, man. When we, you know, what drive by and he, we were in a Jeep. So the top was down. So we'd, you know, wave at the people and they gave that weird, uh, you ever hear the, the movie, the Stepford wives where the, the men had their wives were like uh, brainwashed where they were almost like robots. Yeah. And <laughs> every time we see somebody, they just pick up their hand and they'd go with a slow, really? little, weird little wave. And it was like, That's freaky. Yeah, this is creepy as shit, man. <laughs> what kind of place? <laughs> so, so the whole yeah. area seemed to be at yeah, a weird at least, at least that portion of, uh, on that end of the lake, all that property was owned by the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. So, isn't it? it was strange. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if that had anything to do with with is, it or, or yeah. not but man it was it was kind of crazy that's freaky yeah because it makes you think if you're in a place that's got that energy all the time mm -hmm. and you and you lived in it all the time 
would it change you? Would it make you, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Freaking, I don't know. Man. You know, my, the time I spent down in the basement, um, I spent, I spent the, the time with my camera on my phone going, uh, video going. And then I had the K2 meter in my hand and I had the mic'd up, uh, the wireless mic on. And I went down there. I, I would say I was probably down there for somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 minutes. And, uh, again, I, I, I had already done it, but I done, I did it again. I walked around the basement. Uh, when I got close to the electrical box, um, you know, I started getting K2 hits on it, but I positioned myself in the basement as far away from that as I could get. And I wasn't getting any kind of ambient readings on the K2 meter at all. And I just sat down, I settled in and uh, I started asking questions and, you know, I mean, for the first 15 minutes, I might've gotten, you know, two or three partial hits where, you know, the, the light maybe flickered up to yellow and that was about it. Um, and then I said, all right, if you don't give me something here, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go try to find you someplace else. So, um, I'm going to give you one more chance. I said, let's play a game and the game is going to go like this. I'm going to ask a question. And if the answer to the question is yes, then I want you to come really close to what I'm holding in my hand here. And it's going to make the lights light all the way up to red. If the answer is no to the question, then stay far away and, and the light will stay green. So if the answer is no, let it stay green. If the answer is yes, make the lights light up to red by coming close to me. And so I started asking questions like, you know, was this your summer home? Did you vacation here? Um, what were you a part of this area before the, the cottage was built? You know, was, did you live on this land before the, um, the, the lake became popular and, uh, I really wasn't getting a whole lot. And, uh, so I said, okay, I'm, I, I, you got one more chance. I said, are you upset that we are here trying to make contact with you? And it, I got just a little flicker. It went from green, just a little bit to the yellow. And, and then that was it. It wasn't a very strong hit at all. And I said, is this your place? Is this your area? Is this where you stay? And man, as soon as I said that, that K2 meter pegged to the red and just stayed there. And then it came back down and I said, okay, message received. I said, this is your area. Wow. I said, I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, do you want me to leave you alone? If you do make it light up to red and I'll honor your wishes and I'll, I'll leave this space. And as soon as I said it, man, it just went all the way up to red wow. and it just stayed there. And it followed me all the way up the stairs until I opened the door and oh, stepped wow. back into the dining room. And when I shut the door, it went back to green. That's and mad. it was like, that was a, that was a pretty cool interaction because it yeah. seemed to be responding to my questions in the manner that I said, you know, if, if it was, the answer was no stay green. If the answer is yes, stay red. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm, I'm fully convinced that whatever was going on there, man, they were, they were answering my questions. So yeah. that was, uh, That's that was really amazing. cool. That is amazing. So my whole goal with that was to do a podcast 
during the investigation. Well, what I didn't realize was that with doing four hours of recording on five different microphones, yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of shit yeah. to go through, man. Because <laughs> I've been struggling with trying to get through all that audio, and I've, you know, I just it's almost insurmountable how to, you know, without, without having maybe three or four people helping me do it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to get through all of it and be able to put it together as a, as a episode to air on my show, uh, which I hope you do, man. is unfortunate <laughs> because I, we got a lot of really cool stuff. It's yeah. just, uh, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll have to send some of the audio to a couple of the other guys and have them work on it as well, because, um, it's a, lot. It, it's a lot, man. It's so a there, lot. There could be stuff on there that you've not heard yet. You could have. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Awesome, that is <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. When you're in that position and you're doing these investigations, does it uh -huh. scare you? Do you get scared or are you? You know, that's the, that's the weird thing. And, and I've had a couple of podcasts now that we've talked about, you know, um, are these things terrifying? And, you know, is it just like, and I'll be honest with you, man, um, the whole time I was there, you know, I mean, there were a couple of things that happened that I kind of got the chills and, and it was like, oh man. Um, but there was absolutely nothing throughout that entire evening. I can even say, I can even say with any of the other investigations that I've done, you know, going to cemeteries and, and getting evidence at cemeteries and stuff. There's never been a single thing that has made me fearful. Um, I've never felt like I've run into something that was um, evil. I've never felt like I ran into something that was uh, um, interested in being aggressive or, you know, I just, I never have. Um, yeah. So thankfully, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I would, I, I don't think I would enjoy, um, you know, running into something that might be on the, in the range of something that would be a darker, darker, uh, entity or something. But, um, it is really a, a very cool. <clears throat> Once you wrap your head around, you're having an interaction with something that you can't see. Yeah. You know, and they seem to be responding to your questions and, they're answering, you know, like with spirit box answering with a voice with the K2 meter answering with, you know, affecting electronics. Um, and it's a, it's a really, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, if you have any doubt that there is something beyond just this life that we live, um, it kind of puts in kind of puts it into perspective, you know, yeah. um, there, yeah. there's definitely something else going on. Yeah. There's definitely more, lots more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but yeah, you, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Have you ever seen a ghost or anything? Have you seen a ghost? <sighs> so in the sense of like a, a, a full figured apparition or anything like that, no, I've gotten a photograph on two occasions of 
And you know what? I can probably send those to you if you want to post them. Oh, that'd them. be awesome. Yeah. Um, post them with this episode. Yeah. It was, awesome. uh, it was a very small graveyard uh, about 20 minutes away from my house. And uh, I'd gone there with my kids and a couple other guys. Uh, just we got there. Uh, it's a very small cemetery, probably like maybe three quarters of an acre um, wooded on three sides. There was a caretaker's house. Uh, I don't know, maybe 40 yards away uh, into the woods. Uh, it was right along a, a two lane road. Um right off the right off the road and uh i had taken a series of photographs uh I, I learned from you know at the time we were doing those ghost adventures and ghost hunters were real popular and you know so i had a an older kodak uh, digital camera and every time i'd take a picture i'd take three pictures you know one two three one two three and uh so it was pretty boring once i got home to the to the house and start putting everything on the computer. Cause it was like three pictures of the same thing, three pictures of the same thing. Um, except for two places. And, uh, there were, there was specifically two, two grave markers that looked identical, um, small, the normal looking, you know, rounded on the top. It was about two and a half feet tall. One was, uh, one was broken. One was still intact. The broken one had the broken piece leaning up against it. And they were, they'd been around for a while because the, um, the, the carvings, the, the, um, like the engraving into it was so weathered and so beat down that you could hardly, you could see the nubs of the letters, but to, to read it, um, the best I could make out was like the, the year would have been in the neighborhood of like the, the late 1700s, maybe. Uh, so I took a picture of those and uh, in the first one, there was nothing. In the second one, there was something. And in the third one, there was nothing again. And in that second photograph, there was a mist. And in the mist, I could clearly see a, I could see a shape and I, I took it on my computer and there's a program in windows. I think it's called paint uh, where you can actually like take a, your cursor and, and draw a line. So I started taking that paintbrush and I was drawing a line over what I, what I was seeing. Yeah. And it, <laughs> It looked like a uh, possibly an adult um, turned turned sideways to me, bent over at the at the waist, and kind of had its arms or its hands like maybe on its knees, like it was supporting itself as it was leaning over. And then beside it, it looked like somebody was sitting in a chair, a smaller figure in a chair. And when I looked at the photograph, um, I was, I was over, I was overcome with the feeling that it was like somebody was getting, um, chastised or somebody was getting like, like the adult was, you know, angry with the, the child that was sitting in the chair. That's just the feeling that I got from the whole, the whole thing. And, uh, 
it, it really was the way the camera reacted to that, you know, in the first picture, everything that was supposed to be in focus was in focus. The stuff in the, in the background was a little bit blurry. And in the third picture, it was the same, but in the second picture where I got that mist, the camera had focused on the mist and that mist was the clearest part of that picture, the gravestones, everything else behind it, everything else was out of focus, you know, and this digital camera auto focused, you know? So whatever was there, it was there when it took the picture, it just wasn't visible to me at the time. And then, uh, yeah, that's, it's a really compelling picture. It really is because the longer, the longer you look at it, you can really, you can almost see that the, the adult that's leaning over at the waist was wearing a short sleeve shirt because you can almost see the cuff of the shirt. Wow across the you know the bicep yeah so um yeah you give me your email address and and i'll send the two pictures from that 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 i got and then uh then i just started taking pictures of the wooded line the wood line around that surrounded the cemetery and uh i was putting those on the computer and my son walked into the room at the time i was doing it and he's like is that a face and i said where and he goes there and I said, I'm not seeing it. And he goes, flip the picture over, you know, like turn it 180 degrees so that the bottom is the top, the top's the bottom. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, here, click. And he clicked on this, you know, I, I didn't even know what the hell he was talking about. So he flipped the picture and he's like right there. And I was like, holy shit. And, you know, so we blew it up and sure enough, man, it looks like a, um, it looks like a theater mask. Wow. And it, it looks like a, looks like a skull. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, um, that was, that was pretty weird. That yeah. was, that was pretty weird. Sorry. Was um, that the same night you took the other picture as well? Was that yeah, the same? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, same night. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and I had, I had had some experiences after my dad passed away that pretty much solidified for me that my belief in, you know, something, something beyond what we know. Um, so, you know, these things at the, at the cemetery, even though they were kind of jarring to, to see it, um, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't see it in person. I, I, simply got photographs of it. Um, so I can't say that I've actually seen a ghost with my own two eyes, but I have captured it on, on film. Um, the one thing I can say that I did see in it with my own eyes, um, there was a monument there. Uh, you know what the, the Washington monument looks like? Yep. It's very, very tall. And at the top, it's got a pyramid basically on top of it. Well, this monument was, it was probably like in the neighborhood of five, five and a half feet tall. And it looked very similar to the Washington monument. It was granite and it was polished, you know, so it had a, it had a shine to it. And, uh, my daughter had called me over. She's like, Hey dad, come back here. 
And she said, it's, it's, it's really cold back here. It's really cold back here. And I was like, yeah, sure it is. All right. You know, so I walked back there to humor her and, uh, this monument was between, uh, you, you had to pass between two pretty good sized Oak trees to, to get to the monument. And I'll be damned when I walked between those two trees and this was summertime when we were doing it. When I walked between those two trees and got to where that monument was, it got considerably colder. And I looked at Rachel and I said, holy shit, you're right, kid. Man, it, it, it's much cooler back here. Um, you know, and it was dark, obviously. But, so it wasn't like yeah, I was just being shaded by the trees from the sun or anything. It was it was nighttime. Yeah. And uh, so in one hand, I had uh, a night vision camcorder, which was recording. And in the other hand, I had the, the Kodak digital camera and, uh, she started talking and I was facing the, the monument. And luckily I had the camera, the, the camcorder tilted up. So it was seeing the top of the, uh, the, the top of that monument that was kind of the pyramid shape and right there in front of my eyes, man, this. I hate the word orb because I think so many people mistake bugs and dust and, and all kinds of stuff for, for what a true orb is. Yeah. But this, this ball of light, maybe the size of a golf ball, maybe not quite as big. It just manifested in front of my eyes and it was, it was white, but there was a bluish hue to it. And it did this like crazy little like zippity do. And then it just, it just dissipated. You know, it, it did wow. like this crazy little figure eight type thing yeah. and then just dissipated. And I was like, I was kind of in shock that I had just seen that. And <laughs> my daughter <laughs> I think she was like 14. My daughter's going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Did you see that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. So in the and video you both of saw it, it, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, I remember I took that video and <clears throat> I had, I had slowed it down to like uh, 50% and 25% speed so that you can see it because it happened so fast. Yeah. Um, and, and man, you know, I got it on camera. It, oh, you got I it on got camera as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, and, and on the, on the, the audio of the camera, I also got my daughter going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. So <laughs> you got to let her off that time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't blame her. Cause that, that no. was kind of, uh, that was kind of funny to see, so but what do, you uh, think, do you think that was a spirit? I mean, what else would it have been? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know, yeah. but that's awesome. You know, I would assume. Yeah. I don't know what else would manifest there, you know? And, and I talked to a couple other people who had been at that cemetery themselves doing the same type of thing we were doing, but I didn't tell them any of what I caught. Um, I just asked them, I said, what kind of, you know, what are predominantly, what are type of things that you, you experience while you're there? And they both said, 
you'll see lights bouncing around in the trees. Wow. And I was like, oh. And you did. So, and then, you know, this was on a monument, but. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, in, in, in the video, you could see that it was producing its own light because it reflected off of the polished granite. You could see the reflection on the, on the monument. Wow. So it was, you know, and, you know, I was like 47, 45, 47 years old at the time. I've been around a long time. I've seen plenty of fireflies, you yeah. know, lightning, no, lightning it bugs. That. It was not, it was not that this, yeah. this was, like I said, it was maybe not quite the size of a golf ball and it just came out of nowhere just came out of nowhere man and it it lit up and it did its little zippity do and boom it was gone yeah and that's so cool you got it on camera as well so and yeah you and your daughter both saw it yeah if you don't mind me asking can i ask you what experience you had with your dad if you don't mind me asking that yeah no um so my dad was a he was a good guy. I mean, as far as dads go, he was, you know, there was nothing. It wasn't like he beat me or anything. You know, he was, he was a good dude. Um, but he, he was a weird alcoholic. He, he didn't drink all the time. Um, he would drink maybe once every couple of months or every three months. But when he drank, it was a bottle of Jack Daniels and he drank it till it was gone. Um, so he, uh, this kind of weird story. Um, I was going out for the night and my dad always used to have a real, a real burr up his ass when I would change my mind. He's like, God damn it, kid. Why can't you ever just make up your mind and stick to it? And I'm like, I don't know. I changed my mind. You know, I mean, everybody does it. It's not a big deal. Um, so when I left the house that night, I said I was going to a local, um, a local bar that was less than a half mile away from our house. And when I left the house, I drove by a friend of mine's house and he had a keg left over from a night before his parents had a party. So he said, why don't we just stay here, drink for free and we'll play some cards or whatever. So I did that instead of going to that bar. Well, that night my dad decided to start drinking. And he said to my mom, take me up to the bar. I'll just have the boy give me a ride home when he, get, when he comes home. So she drove him up to the bar. I wasn't there. And at some point after I had gotten home at some point that night, he decided to try to walk home and he had to cross a five lane highway. Um, so he made it through four lanes and when he got to the, almost to the other side, a, a car hit him, killed him. Um, want to really get weird is when I got married, come to find out my wife at the time, her first cousin married the daughter of the, the person that killed my dad. So (laughs) it's like, how how can I not get away from this shit? You know? (laughs) Um, so 
nothing happened like right away. It was, it was months after. And, uh, the, the first thing that I can remember was I had just went and bought my first cordless phone. And when I bought my phone, I bought an answering machine as well. And so I hooked everything up, you know, I was, I don't remember 20, I think, I think it was 21. Um, you know, had, had a wireless phone. Nobody had wireless phones, you know, everybody was still using the old rotary phones and I had a wireless one and it was, it was still the size of a normal phone. You had to pull this long ass antenna out for it to work. And, uh, but I thought it was cool. And, uh, one night the phone rings and it's like, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And so to kind of preface this, I was still living in the same house that my mom and dad lived in when he was killed. Enough time had passed. My mom had started dating somebody else and was spending time at that guy's house. So a lot of the time I was home alone and I was an only child. So I didn't have any brothers or sisters or anything. And, uh, so the phone rings at, uh, two o'clock in the morning and I popped up and I was like, Oh God, you know, it's never good when the phone rings at two wow. o'clock in the morning. You know? So I thought it was my mom or I didn't know what was going on. So I answered the phone and this male voice on the other side of the phone says, Hey boy. And I about shit my pants because my dad almost only ever referred to me as boy. Hey boy, don't you think it's time to get the grass cut? Hey boy, how about you go out and watch the car? Hey boy, you want to help me change spark plugs? Hey boy, come on. I'm going to teach you how to change the oil. It was always Hey boy. Hey boy, you know, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, sh a shitty thing. It wasn't like he was being disrespectful for, to me. That was just what he called me. Yeah. And on the phone, this voice says, Hey boy. And then I don't know. I mean, everybody nowadays only knows cell phones, but back when you had a regular landline, um, when a, a phone call would disconnect, you would get this, eh, 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 you know, when, when somebody hung up. Yeah. So, so the voice said, Hey boy. And then it just went eh, 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 like it had hung up. And I looked at the phone and I could see the lights on the, on the number pads were lit up. And I looked like around my room <laughs> and I was like, I'm awake. Uh, there was no doubt that I was, I was full on awake. So I hit off on the phone. I put the antenna back down and I put it back in its cradle and I didn't even get my arm pulled back from hanging the phone up and the phone rang again. And I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And a woman's voice comes on the phone and says, is everything okay? 
And I said, excuse me. And she goes, this is so-and-so with the South Bend police department is everything. All right. And I said, ma'am, I said, I don't know what the hell is going on here. I said, I just got a phone call. And then as soon as I hung it up, you called and she goes, is there anybody in the house that shouldn't be there? And I said, I don't think so. I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm in bed. And she goes, well, would you please get up and check to make sure nobody else is in the house? I'll stay on the line. And I was like, what in the hell, what is going on here? You know, I mean, it was, I was kind of freaked out now. So I got up, I turned the lights on. I walked through the house. There's nobody here. Um, I said, ma'am, there's, there's nobody here. She says, well, we received a nine one one phone call from this number. And I was like, I said, when, and she goes just moments ago, just before I called you, I said, that's impossible because I just had a phone call before you called. So, I mean, none of that made any sense, but I was an only child. My mom was no longer living in the house. We didn't get to say goodbye. Cause you know, and I almost, you know, sometimes I, I think about it and it's like nine one one. Did he think that I needed help because I was alone or, you know, it was just, it was kind of mind boggling. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, obviously that it's always kind of stayed with me. Um, and then just before he died in July for his birthday, I had just got my first decent job. I was making pretty decent money. And, uh, I, my mom and dad had a boat that they kept about 50 miles away from the house. They kept in, uh, on Lake Michigan in this little beach town called South Haven. And they would go up every weekend and they'd spend the weekends up on the boat. And some weekends I'd go up and hang out with them. And other times I'd, I wouldn't. Um, so for his birthday in July, I bought him what's called a Mariner's crucifix. And basically what it is, it's a, a gold anchor with Christ on, on the anchor instead of on a cross. And, uh, so I bought that for him for his, uh, for his 50th birthday in, in July. And, uh, when he was killed in October, when we had to go identify the body, I got his pocket knife, his wallet. They gave me the, the Meritor's crucifix and a couple of other belongings that were on him at the time he was hit by the car. And I put it on immediately and just started wearing it all the time. I would I'd never take it off. Um, well, it had a, it had a rope, um, the necklace was a rope instead of being like links or anything. It was just kind of a twisted gold rope and, you know, from like sleeping in it and everything and, and wearing it with a bunch of clothes, it started getting threads that were getting kind of intertwined with the, the rope and everything. And it kind of weakened, weakened one of the spots. Um, so eventually I saved up some money and I went and bought a new necklace for it. And I decided that I was going to start taking better care of it. And I would only wear it when I was actually like going out someplace. So I had, uh, 
<clears throat> I had come home and uh, I had a date for that night. And uh, so I was getting ready to take a shower. I took the necklace off. I put it on the counter in the bathroom, got in the shower, did my thing, got out, towel dried off and uh, blew dry my hair and was getting ready to put the necklace back on and it was gone. And I was like, ah, shit. So I was like, well, maybe it got stuck in the towel. And, you know, so I looked on the towel and I looked on the floor. I thought maybe it got, fell into the carpet and retraced my steps. And it's like, no, I remember taking it off and putting it up here. And I thought, well, ah, shit, I knocked it down in the sink and it probably went down into the gooseneck in the pipe, you know, like through the drain. So I went out in the garage. I got a pipe fitters uh, um, wrench. I took the gooseneck off underneath the sink and, you know, there was a bunch of hair and stuff and nasty, yucky stuff in there, but the necklace wasn't in there. And, uh, man, it was just driving me nuts. It was driving me nuts. I couldn't, you know, couldn't find it. So a good deal of time went by, um, you know, maybe a couple of months and, uh, it was summertime. I had a really nice tan going and, uh, I had a date that night. So I was, I wanted to wear, I had a white button down shirt that was bleach white and it was pressed, you know, so it had the nice press lines in it and everything. And, uh, so I was putting that shirt on and, uh, I went to button it all the way up and the top button popped off and I was like, well, shit. And I thought, well, I know my mom's got a, a sewing basket and they always kept it underneath her bed, you know, in my mom and dad's bedroom. Well, after my mom had moved out of the house and was living with this other guy, I closed the door to my mom and dad's bedroom because there were, there were pictures of my dad and pictures of us on vacation. And I didn't, I, I didn't deal with death very well and I didn't want to deal with seeing the pictures or, or any of that. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it, but you know, it had already been over a year. I just, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. But I wanted to wear that shirt. <laughs> I wanted to wear that shirt. So, um, I walked down the hallway and I got to the door to my mom and dad's bedroom. And I kind of took a deep breath and I said, all right, man, you can do this. Quit being a puss, you know? So I opened the door and immediately straight in front of me, I see a picture of my dad and me when we were on vacation, you know, four or five years before that. And it was okay. You know, I was, I, I, I was able to look at him without getting emotional and breaking down. And, you know, cause I, my biggest fear was that I'd just start crying like a baby and I didn't want to deal with that. Um, so I went in and I sat down on the bed and in front of me was a, a dresser with a mirror on it. And I looked up into the mirror and on the wall behind me was my dad's military photograph. And it was a black and white picture, but back in the, in the fifties and sixties, you could send pictures away and they would add like pastel colors to it to almost make it look like it was a color picture. And that's what this picture was. And it was him. At, I think he was like 26 years old um, in his military dress blues. And um, so that was over my, in the mirror, it was over my left shoulder. And 
I just, it was kind of like, I was okay. You know, I kind of had a little bit of a piece of it and, and I was all right. You know, so I reached down underneath the bed, found this, it was an old Christmas cookie tin that my mom kept all of her sewing stuff in. And, uh, I pulled it up, set it up on the bed, threaded the needle, and I started sewing the, the button back on. And <clears throat> I got it sewed on and I, I just kind of looked around the room and looked at some of the other pictures and, you know, I was having mom memories kind of flood back of, you know, different pictures that I was seeing of being on vacation or whatever. And, uh, so every time, whenever my dad would go to bed, my mom would always bitch at him because he would either take a, a glass of ice water or he'd have a pop that had ice cubes in it. And he had the shitty old, um, end table beside the bed. And he'd always set that glass on there. And then by, by the next morning, there would be a white ring from, you know, the, the sweat from the glass dripping onto the wood. And I looked over at that table and there was half of a wet ring. Like a glass had been sitting there. Wow. And inside, and inside that ring was that fucking necklace. Oh, wow, man. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. You know, because nobody else lived there. Yeah. My mom wouldn't have done it. How, how do you explain there was still, it was wet. And wow. I, I just looked, I looked up in the mirror and I looked at that face behind me, uh, his military photograph. And I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. You're, you're still, you're still around. And, wow. uh, yeah. So that was, um, that was, I don't even, I mean, I, I didn't need any more, I didn't need any more proof, uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, like me going, you. you know, that was, that was pretty powerful. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no way with me being the only one living in that house at the time. I never went into that room specifically because I didn't want to deal with seeing pictures of my dad. So I would not have taken that and, and just left it in there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I mean, having a wet ring there was just, yeah. and right. it was, it was an obvious thing because my mom used to, yeah, you know, she would fight that battle every freaking time he did it. You know, it was just like something that was a real pain in her ass. <laughs> the table was uglier than sin. You know, it was, it was not a very nice piece of furniture at all, but man, she, she bit hard on that one. It's like, she would always just get in his ass about it. And, you know, so. Yeah, that was that yeah. was crazy. That is, yeah. that's unbelievable. That was really wow. crazy. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. That's awesome, that's, man. Uh, but you know, like when I say that I don't, you know, like I don't go to like haunted locations because I need to have anything proved to me. I don't. Yeah. I I've I've seen enough that, you know, my my questions are I mean, I still have a lot of questions about how and you know, how and why, but not if. Yeah. You um, know that, that question that question's been been answered for 
for a long, long time for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's no denying what you experienced there. There's no, 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 there's, there's no denying it. No, that's amazing. Now, there was, there was something, there was something really weird that happened. Um, you know, like I said, my dad, he only drank one couple of times a year, but man, when he did, it was still, the bottle was gone. So, um, you know, I never really, I never really looked at him as an alcoholic because to me, an alcoholic was somebody that drank all the time. Right. Um, it wasn't until I got older and, and understood that, you know, sometimes people binge drink and stuff like that. So he, you know, he had a problem with alcohol. He just didn't have it all the time. And I do remember once him telling me, which was just the weirdest freaking thing to say to your, your kid, um, was that he, he felt that he had done uh, a girl wrong when he was younger and was dating her and uh, she was a Jewish girl. What that had to do with anything, I don't know. Um, but he said he felt that she put a curse on him and you know, I mean, that was just a weird thing to say. There was no context to it. There was, you know, it was just like a, a drunken blurted out thing, you know, but why tell me, you know, it was, it was just kind of weird. Um, I guess, I guess I say that because that's like one of the only things that maybe kind of draws any kind of remote context to what I'm going to tell you next. Um, I was, um, I was, I was a pretty good student in, in high school. I ended up, uh, graduating as a junior and took my senior year off before I went to college. And that was the plan anyway. Um, so I was dating a girl who ended up going to college down at the lower portion of our state. So she was going to be about three or four hours away from me. And back in the, back in the 1980s, <laughs> when I was a, when I was a teenager, um, one of the big things to do was make a mixtape. All right. So when she was down at college, every couple of weeks I'd put together this little package and I'd send her her, like her favorite candy bars and I'd send her, you know, a love note. And then I would make a, a mixtape that would have a bunch of the songs that we used to listen to when we were out going on dates and stuff. And, uh, so I made this mixtape and I packaged everything up. I sent it off to her and, uh, it was funny because my dad was, he was cheap, man. He did not like to spend a dime. And whenever, whenever I wanted to call her when she was down at, at school, he would not let me use the house phone because he didn't want to pay the long distance charges. So I would have to get my, all my change together and I'd have to go find a pay phone and then I'd go stand on, <clears throat> stand on a street corner to call her and, you know, have to put like $3 worth of dimes in to get, you know, a couple of minutes to talk to her. And, uh, I sent that package down to her. I gave it a couple of days to get there. And I, I went to the, the local donut shop and I used the payphone there and I called her and she got on the phone and she tore me a new ass. 
she was like, I don't ever call me again. I don't want anything to do with you. Why would you do that? That's a terrible thing. I don't know what, what were you thinking? And I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what she's talking about, you know, and she just tearing me up one side and down the other. And then boom, slams the phone down and hangs up on me. Well, I'm destroyed because I'm like, I have no idea what she's talking about. I can't call her back because I'm all out of change. She probably won't take the phone call anyway. And uh, a couple of days later, the package comes back and there's a handwritten note in there. And she says, I don't know what, I don't know what you think is so funny about this, but how would you do that to somebody you say you care about? And I was like, what, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it and it's, you know, a candy bar and, you know, a love note. And I, I reread the note a couple of times. It's like, there was nothing in that that was weird or, you know, there was nothing. And, uh, man, I was feeling just, I was really feeling bad, <laughs> you know? And so of course, what do I do? I take that tape and I put it in the tape player and I'm down in the basement and I'm just, I'm listening to, and you know, I'm just, I'm heartbroken and, uh, it gets to the end of the first side of the cassette tape and I flip it over and I put the other side in and there is this like deep guttural just like just constant growling and um at one point it just sounded like a, a wild animal just tearing something apart you know and i was like what in the hell is that i didn't record that you know and i'm like that must be what she's talking about you know and I knew, I knew I had, a, I had a piece of notebook paper that had all the songs that I was putting on this tape. Yeah. So I know what I recorded on it and uh, you know, I'm listening to this and it's just this hideous guttural growling shredding. I don't, I can't even, can't even explain it. So I call my buddy Kevin and, and Kevin Kevin was like a throwback, man. He was like, he should have been, he should have been born. Like he should have been a, teen, a teenager back in the 1950s. Cause he was, he was real heavy set. Um, all he liked to do is work on his car. He had a, he had a 66 Chevelle super sport and all he ever wanted to do was put a wrench in his hand and work on that car. And, uh, so I, I called Kevin. I'm like, dude, you gotta, you gotta come over here. And I told him that, you know, we had broke up and, and all this stuff. I said, you got to listen to this. So he comes over and he was just the, you know, poor, poor bastard. He was really overweight and, but he was the funniest son of a bitch, man. You know, he just, the way he'd laugh would just, you know, it, it'd make you start laughing just because he, the way he sounded. And, uh, my parents loved him to death. He was a great guy. And, uh. So he came over, we went downstairs and I, I told him what happened and I said, listen to this. So I put the cassette in and I started playing it. Sure enough, it's that growling noise. And you know, he's, 
sometimes he kind of acted like the three stooges, you know, when you'd hear something like when he heard that, he, he just was like, hmm, what the, <laughs> you know, and, uh, he's like, you need to go tell your dad about that. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to tell my dad. And he's like, you need to go tell your dad because that ain't right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I never dabbled with Ouija boards or anything like that. You know, I mean, I always had an interest in paranormal stuff, but I never messed with, witchcraft or any of that kind of shit and uh so we grabbed my boom box and took it upstairs and i played it for my mom and dad and uh the really weird thing was that my dad never he never was like oh that's weird i wonder what that is or how did that get on there he never never did that he listened to it for about a minute and they pushed the eject button. He pulled it out of the tape player and he handed it to me. He goes, you take that fucking thing, take it down to the end of the driveway and burn it. And I was like, what? And he said, take it out to the end of the driveway and burn it. And I just thought that was, that was like a, what a weird interaction. You know, why, why didn't he ask? Why didn't he ask me any questions about it? Why didn't he look surprised or, or anything like that? Yeah. So I looked at Kevin and Kevin just kind of shook his fat little cheeks. He was like, yeah, let's go burn it. Let's go burn it. <laughs> so, um, I think he just wanted to start a fire, but we, uh, we took it down to the end of the driveway and my dad always used to have this tiny little, like, um, I think it was like a cup from a NyQuil, you know, that you take a shot of NyQuil with. And uh, so I poured a little bit of gasoline in that cup. He used to use it to like start fire when burning leaves and stuff in the fall. So I poured a little bit of gasoline in there, took it down to the end of the driveway, put the, the tape on the curb. I poured the gas on it and then I threw a match on it. And when that tape started burning, It was, it was a yellow orangish fire like you would expect, but inside that orangish fire, there was a blue cross. Wow. And <laughs> Kevin, Kevin was a fat kid, man. He was big, but that son of a bitch, he left smoke. <laughs> when he ran away from that and he ran back in the house and I came back in the house and I told my dad, Kevin was, he was white as a sheet man. And my dad said, what's going on? And I said, I lit it on fire. Like you said, but inside the fire, I could see a blue cross. And Kevin saw it too. And he just immediately said, from now on, every night when you say your prayers, you say this. And he said, give me a second. I got to think of it. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus Christ, cover my friends, my friend, co cover my friends, my family, and myself with your blood and protect us from all that's evil. Wow. I grew up in Catholic church. I went to Catholic 
school. I used to have to go to mass all the time. I've said a lot of prayers. Never once did I ever hear anybody say that prayer. Yeah. Cover us with your blood and protect us from evil. And just the fact that he was so immediate with telling me that it was so weird. You know, his reaction to the whole thing was not how you would expect somebody to react. Holy shit. I wonder what that was. Why did it do that? There's got to be some explanation, you know, maybe it turned the cross. It just looked like a cross and it was blue because you were, you were burning gasoline and gasoline burns a different color or any of that stuff. He just immediately jumped to, you say this prayer. Wow. And, and I've, I've talked to other people and nobody that I've ever repeated that prayer to has ever heard that before. So I wonder, I wonder if that had, I wonder if that stemmed from him believing that he had had a curse placed on him by that Jewish girl back in the 1950s when he was dating her. Um, I mean, I could be drawn straight lines between things that don't, don't exist. I don't know. Uh, but that, that was, a that, that seeing that fire with that, that blue cross in it, that, that has stayed with me, (laughs) you know, never, never forgot it. I close my eyes right now. I can see it happening again. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. That was, that was bizarre. Yeah. Wow. And obviously you don't know what, what put the ground in and, and on the tape, but it's just no idea. Out. No idea. No idea whatsoever. I don't know if that's like, uh, what you would consider, you know, somewhat of an EVP since I put the tape in there, but I mean, yeah. it was a, it was a dual cassette deck. You know, you put one tape in, you record to the other. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was very strange. That is. It was, that was, that was scary. Yeah. That yeah. was scary. Cause I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that is freaking it. Wow. Yeah. So, so do you think you maybe know, your, your dad could have experienced something like that and handled and, and been given that advice or something? I, you know, considering I've, you know, I've even tried like typing that into Google. Yeah. And I've never had anything come back with a result. Wow. You know, I mean, it'll, it'll bring up the Lord's prayer or something like that, but it won't, yeah. it won't have the the same words that he told me. So, um, I, I guess I don't have anything else, but to believe that, you know, he was told that by somebody back when he felt that he had this curse placed on him, you know? Wow. You know, and he, he grappled with some things through his life, you know, um, you know, I don't think he had a very easy childhood and, you know, there were times where, like I said, he'd fall off the wagon and, and drink, but, um, I don't know, Yeah, you know, he met up with a bad end, you know, 50 years old, man. That's pretty young. Yeah. That is young. Yeah. Wow, man. I don't know, you know, but with all the things that I've ever had experiences with like that, I've never had anything 
that made me feel like I was that I was the the precipice of it. I always felt like things were happening around me, but I never felt like I was the cause of it or that it was intended for me. You know what I mean? It it, yeah. it was kind of like I was I was experiencing any of the stuff that I've experienced, it always seems like I'm experiencing it on the peripheral of, you know, it's not necessarily intended for me, but I'm, I'm still the one experiencing it. And I don't know if that's, you know, I've had, I've had some very, um, very convincing psychics tell me that I'm, um, you know, an empath and, and I'm, I'm much more attuned than what I give myself credit for. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I've had some people that I put a lot of trust in have all told me it. Um, if I am, I don't have any control over it and I don't, I don't really, I don't really profess to want to be able to hone those abilities. If I have them, it, that's not something that really interests me to, to, to be that person, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Weird, yeah. weird stuff, man. But that, I again, guess. those are, those are some of the experiences that shaped me into being the guy that does what I do now. Yeah. You know? And I think that helps me relate to, um, to the guests that I have on the show. Cause I can relate to having a number of really, really odd unexplainable yeah. things happen. So, yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think that helps me not have a bias, not to be judgmental, not to ask leading questions or, um, you know, just try to encourage to have a good conversation and see what comes of it. So. That is, that is amazing stuff, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. And I do, I do have to say that, uh, I have been in contact with a, uh, with a person, a lady. Um, I'll, I'll only say, I'll only say this. Her name is Wendy and, uh, she is, uh, she's something else, man. I, I hope that, uh, I hope that someday I can uh, bring her to bring her to the realization that she needs to uh, come forward. Um, I've had a, a number of um, a number of conversations with her. I've had a number of interactions with her, and uh, the photographs that she has shared with me, and the audio recordings that she has shared with me. Um, quite honestly, would literally knock your pants off. Really? Um, yeah. And you've you've seen this stuff? Yeah, I've I've oh, seen. Wow. I've seen it, and uh, and I tell you. Oh man! <laughs> if you saw if you saw them, you would never be the same. Um, really? Yeah. Can you give she's, us a, she's an like, idea? I can't. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. I'm trying real hard with her. Um, yeah, I would. I would love to be able to bring her. Uh, bring her to the light of day, but uh, um, 
She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So, Keep working uh, it, man, because I've got to see this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, jaw jaw dropping, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's so, so cool. It's so cool because I, I I've seen a ghost. I I hundred percent know that there's something else like you. Yeah. And it's so cool that, that we've. We, I can't explain it, but it's so cool that we know this. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, yeah, it is. It really is because, um. it makes you know this is going to sound like i'm taking a shot at people that you know are religious or believe in the bible or or anything like that and it's not meant to be a shot um but but people people who can have um blind faith and and believe in something even though they don't know you know in their heart they think they know but i'm sure there's still questions right yeah um when you're in a position like you and I, where you've seen things, the world is so much more incredible. And the creator of all this is so much more infinitely incredible than what they give it credit for. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's just, uh, it's mind opening. <clears throat> It's, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it, it amazing. Changes, it changes things, you know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it changes things in a bad way. Um, again, I go back to, you know, nothing I've ever experienced, e- even even with the things, you know, like the, the cross burning in the, in the fire and everything. Um, it scared the hell out of me because I didn't understand it. And I didn't, I didn't know why it was happening. But I never felt any, and I didn't feel anything bad towards me. Yeah. You know, again, I think it was like something that I was, I was supposed to see if maybe it was part of, you know, continuing to open my mind and, you know, maybe it was something that was directly attached to my dad. Uh, Maybe he was right. Maybe he had a curse put on him. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but you know when i talk about these things with people it it's like i'm not going to say i feel sorry for people because i don't feel sorry for them but it's like if you only knew some of the things that i've seen yeah and i'm i am not i'm not a fruitcake man you know i'm not uh i'm not prone to having uh uh, hallucinations i'm not prone to you know pulling the wool over people's eyes i'm not a bullshitter yeah um i don't have any reason to to lie about these things it's just you know i mean to be honest with you i mean i haven't told a lot of people about this stuff until i started doing the show but the people i did tell about it beforehand other than kevin who saw it um, they look at you like you're nuts, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that you're, you're, you're ridiculous for even entertaining the idea that the stuff is real. Um, but that's because what they watch on TV, they see as being fake. And I'm not just, I'm not just, I'm not arguing that because a lot of the stuff is produced, you know? Yeah. Um, but 
when you experience it in real life, that's, that's pretty powerful, man. Yeah. It's very special. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's, it's cool to be in that club of, of, of knowing there's more rather than, than just having faith that there is. Yeah. Cause there's so, there's so much more out there. Yeah. There's so much more to learn. <laughs> you know, I've got so many questions that blind faith for me doesn't work. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just asks, I ask too many questions. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. maybe I touched on this in, in our last episode, you know, I had a guy at work that uh, said that he was afraid I wasn't going to make it when judgment day came, you know, that I'd be one of the ones left behind. And I, I disagree with that yeah. because I think, you know, at, at one point I'm going to stand before my creator, whatever that creator is. And, and at that point I'll be asked, you coming or you staying? And I'll be like, dude, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. I got my shit packed. Yeah. I am ready to go. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, when, whenever you introduce man as, as the proponent, as the, as the person that's preaching to you in whatever religion it is, in whatever belief system it is, when man is at the forefront of that, you have shit that is not being told. Yeah. You have, you have man is ultimately a hundred percent of the time going to use information to manipulate, to control people, to, to rule them by fear yeah so 100 percent. yeah until until it's there standing in front of me and then i'll be like hell yeah i knew it <laughs> i had questions but i knew it in my heart i knew it so all right let's go um so oh, that's awesome man eric you have been awesome once again brother oh i appreciate it man that i love talking amazing. to you it's it's I cool to have you cool to know that i got a, a brother in arms over there uh, yeah so far away so 100 percent, man i've still got so many questions for you we're gonna have to do a part three <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> fair enough fair so enough we'll have to do that soon if that's okay yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and uh i want to get you on uh on with me and yes. you can tell me about uh tell me about your your uh yeah i've got, I've visual got a visual sighting kind of, yeah i've had a few things yeah. happen that's cool <laughs> we'll so get you, you on definitely that'd be awesome man if you if you can tell the audience where they can find you absolutely man they before, but... they can find me everywhere i am worldwide baby yes <laughs> uh <laughs> apple podcast spotify overcast any of the uh any of the major um platforms that you can listen to your podcast on i'm on search uncomfortable followed by the name eric e-r-i-c-k that narrows down the field because there are a lot of uncomfortable podcasts out there. Um, some of them have to do with money. Some are religion. Some are about the LGBTQ. Um, but if you put in uncomfortable, Eric, E R I C K, that'll take you right to the black and white logo. And, uh, you can just follow me there. And it is awesome. I'm on, I'm on uh, Facebook and, uh, Twitter. Uh, I don't ever post to Twitter. It just is, a. uh, thing that every time I have a new episode out, it, it launches a tweet and says that there's a new episode, but 
Instagram and uh, Facebook are the best ways to get a hold of me at uncomfortable podcast 65, or you can email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. So if any of your listeners uh, or your guests that have been on your show and they want to come on mine and tell the U.S. audience, I'd love to hear about it and just get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, buddy. It's good talking to you again. I look forward to part three. Outstanding. And I look forward to part one with you. Yes. Thank you very much, Eric. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Well, that is the show, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share it. Share the show where you can, because that really does help us. So thank you. Uh, We will be back next week for more freaky conversations. In the meantime, stay safe. And remember, keep it freaky. Bye for now.